Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Stars Like Us. I am so excited to welcome our guest today. It is Michelle Knight. I have been a huge fan of Michelle's work for so long. Michelle is an astrologer, a psychic, a tarot queen, a warrior of love, lesbian, queer, Sunday Times, best-selling author, Aries Sun, Pisces Moon, Leo Rising, I'm going to read your bio just so that the world can understand how fabulous you are. Astrologer, psychic, warrior of love, Sunday Times bestselling author for her autobiography. She was sexually abused from a baby by many men, but she was supported by the spirit of her dead twin sister. Her mother was a psychic, so she has been doing tarot more or less since birth. She often says she was born with a pack of tarot cards in her hands as they were her childhood playthings. Professional psychic since her teens, self-taught intuitive astrologer, voted Britain's favorite psychic and astrologer by the readers of the Soul and Spirit magazine this year and over seven times. Her passion is sharing the things she has learned and she is learning, which took her from poverty she was homeless when she was nine months pregnant, breaking into squares, and a host of dysfunctional relationships to living in a castle overlooking the sea with her Gemini love. What a story. What a story. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a quest. I needed to have my Aries with Leo rising and my actually got Mars and Aries as well, which I think was helpful. You know, I was just listening to the astrology podcast, Chris's episode with uh, Richard Tarnas, four hours long, definitely listened in segments, but they were talking about, you know, various Plutonian themes. And one of them, of course, was sort of like discovering astrology and how it, or discovering really, and this could be applied to like any sort of mystical tradition, how it does take some sort of a existential paradigm shift to open and to start to be receptive to these really powerful systems of truth-telling, of uh, astral exploration, of soul questing. And when you experience them from childhood, it seems like that becomes sort of more, at least in my case, it's like more ingrained baked into my DNA, where for me, you know, adopting astrology as sort of like my, my second language, my second fluency was not that far of a stretch because I had already been so, uh, my, my infrastructure was already so challenged. My status quo was already so inconsistent and unstable that then propping myself up through the powers of astrology and tarot and spell work and magic was like, oh, of course, these are actual systems that can support me. Whereas the regular world around me is not actually doing very much at all. So I'm kind of curious as to, I mean, especially considering some of those really intense things that you experienced so young and throughout your life, how does that resonate for you as well? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've got so much Pisces in my chart in the seventh and eighth house that I think, I mean, I couldn't get away from it, you know? And you know, what I've, it's interesting because in the language of astrology, a lot of astrologers relate to Pisces and the 12th house, for instance, as, as something being not truthful or 
that people who have a lot of that uh, are not honest with themselves or with other people. And I really dislike that because I believe in the, the higher energy of the 12th house and Pisces and how it is actually a, a gateway to truth because you're seeing the world in a much more holistic way. You're sensing things. You have empathy. Okay, the shallow side of that is, you know, you can drink too much, you know, lose yourself in drugs, which I did a lot of in, in my uh, childhood. But when, when you've got that depth and, and that's the depth of Pisces, if you swim deep into those waters, you have to align with your spirituality. It's impossible not to. I've also got Chiron in Pisces. So, you know, the wound in me and the gift in me is relating with a great deal of empathy and fearlessly going into my own pain to heal it through astrology and my psychic ability. Yeah. I could, Let's speak to your psychic ability a little bit. I've been hosting this podcast for three years and believe it or not, we don't often have a lot of, um, we have a lot of very intuitive people who I would probably argue have psychic abilities, but not, but not a lot of people who have that baked into their title and into their sort of like into their practice. So what does your psychic ability look like and feel like and mean to you? And, and how do you incorporate it if you do into your work um, with tarot and with astrology? Well, I would say it's the most, imp- in fact, I, yeah, I think I've listened to some of the conversations you've had around those areas. But for me, it's the most important thing because that's what I was born with. I grew up in a magical household. You know, my mother was a psychic and a medium and there would be seances. It was an open language. Okay. So I was the, the school weirdo because I'd be talking about past life regression and, you know, it, intuitive things and people, you know, and I've obviously got a very strong personality as well. I was a bit, you know, people couldn't cope, but for me, it was normal. So I was very lucky because how that showed up for me, it meant I believed in magic. You know, I believed in the ability to manifest, for instance, hence I live in this castle, you know, all of that stuff I knew even when I was a kid. So I can't separate it from real life. You know, like you, people can talk about it as if it's something separate. I can't really do that. It's something, it's like speaking Italian or something. If your parent was Italian, you know, I speak psychic. Um, but I'm very grounded with it because my mother was called Madame Bruna and she was an Italian psychic and it was all, you know, anyway, I don't want to go there. It's, it's all very different to me. It made me a 21st century psychic. So. You provide someone, you know, with details of their life you couldn't possibly know. But you, when you conduct the reading or when you're doing the reading, you don't do it in a fatalistic way. You empower the other person to find their own intuition. You know, it's, it's different. I've taken it in a whole different direction to my mother. But in terms of, I would say I'm an intuitive astrologer. So I combine both of them now in everything that I do. So I will look at the chart and then some of it, you know, I'm talking astrology, but then things will jump out. Like if you're an intuitive tarot card reader, it's the same thing. You know, you're reading the tarot, but you're, you're getting these, these psychic messages and a card can mean one thing one day, another thing another day. But I, you know, we, we live in a time where it's very important that we change A, the attitude to it, because I believe we are all psychic. And, uh, maybe we can use another term or intuitive, whatever you want to say. And it's, it saved my life and it time and time again. So it's something I'm extremely proud of. And I believe, as I say, it's just a part of me. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I am psychic. I often call other people. I, 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 I like call people out as psychic when they haven't found that terminology, which I have to get better at because I don't want to out people as psychic if they're not comfortable sort of adopting that for themselves yet. But I do, I do believe that everybody has uh, extrasensory abilities. And as a, another intuitive practitioner, I see that in people's charts and people ask, you know, is there something that is, are there specific signatures that allow you to see that? And it's sort of a yes and no. I mean, obviously if there's going to be, if someone has a lot of water energy, a lot of 12th house, a lot of eighth house, you know, even a lot of fourth house, a lot of planets in the water houses, it stands out to me, a lot of planets in water signs, but then there's also sometimes none of those typical signatures. And I can still even just sense it and feel it and tell based on the aspects and the way 
that the chart sort of illuminates and speaks to me, but that's because of being an intuitive astrologer and not everything that I can do in my work reading a chart is something that I can translate to this is that practice. This is how to yeah. do it, uh, I, which makes it a little difficult. I haven't found a consistent and stable way of being able, for instance, to teach my methodology because my methodology is not some, is really, it's a lot of the technical training, but then how it has sort of like, you know, re neuroned itself in my mind is very, very linked to my intuitive expression as well. And it's a survival. I think also if you've had traumatic experiences, that ancient part of our DNA awakens and gives us this gift to help us survive. That's how I would explain it. But also everybody has got it. Everybody can do a lot of things, but not everybody's going to be world-class in everything. You know, it doesn't, we have the ability, but some people are naturally, you know, just have a, have it a bit more or are less cynical about it. Because I think that's half the problem. If people are cynical and don't trust it, but that's one thing I'm very big on teaching. How if people if we all trusted our intuition, our life would be completely transformed right there. You know? But people tend to, you know, have that fight between their gut instinct, their intellect, and their heart. And it's it's about bringing those three things together. And how would you define those different expressions? You know, what does you know, thinking from the head versus thinking from the heart versus maybe there's a third, maybe there's a soul thinking and intuitive thinking or or how would you sort of isolate those so that our listeners can try to find that connection within themselves? I'd, I'd probably approach it from a different way. So I would say like, if you're in a situation where you're trying to make a decision or there's something going on, you've got to pay attention to your body because your body has the answers just as much as your mind. You know, you can have a physical sensation. You know, if you meet someone, you can have a complete aversion to somebody that everybody else likes, you know, and often we ignore that. I, to this day, <laughs> ignore a lot of my intuition. It's very difficult to trust, you know, and it, and it is based on a different language to the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's a different and valid language. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult for me, isn't it? Because I've always, you know, it's difficult for me because for me, it's easy. You know, you've got to, you've just got to trust what you know. So it's coming from a place of knowing, not intellectualizing, not, you know, uh, going around and around in your mind. Does that make sense? I mean, how would you explain it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I usually, I've sort of reduced it to... Uh, trying to communicate the difference between anxiety and intuition, because I find that a lot of the time people are afraid to listen to their intuition because they're conflating it with their anxious thoughts. And yes, and that I have been able to come up with some language around to identify and to sort of isolate how those are different. Whereas anxiety is uh, gets triggered by something. It's a reaction to something. And it also sort of spirals. It gets louder and it changes shape. Hijacks you. Yeah, exactly. It like changes. It, what goes from like, oh, this person didn't call me back to, oh, I haven't heard from this person in two hours. Oh, is this person in a car? Oh, did this person get in the car accident? Oh, is this person on the side of the road dead? Like that's yeah. the spiral of anxiety because it got triggered by not hearing from someone. Nothing is going to prompt intuition. Intuition just happens. It doesn't have strong emotions attached to it. It's very clear. It doesn't sort of build and scale on itself. If you have an intuitive thought, you can then work with tarot or astrology or some other like mystical practice to try to extract more information from it. But on its own, an intuitive ping is not going to mount. It's just going to sort of, you know, it's going to deliver itself as whole and then invite you to continue to unpack it and work with it. I love that. That is genius. I mean, yeah, it, 
Wow. Uh, the fucked up thing about anxiety is that it actually mimics intuition, where in your mind during an anxious episode, you'll say, oh, I know it. I feel it. I feel it in every bone of my body. Like anxiety is that bitch, you know, <laughs> like anxiety pretends to yeah. be intuition, which I think could make then people feel afraid of their intuition, because if their intuition speaks to them in such hostile and aggressive and scary and like, you know, nefarious ways, then we we're like, oh, I don't want to touch that because that's only going to tell me bad things. But intuition is neutral. You know, it's neither it's there's no morality attached to it. So it could be your intuition is like, this isn't a good project for you to get involved in. It could be like, you know, your intuition is like, this person is going to end up being a really meaningful figure in your life. But those feelings are not going to be F, like elevated and escalated and over the top to begin with. Yeah, because e even that can turn into fantasy. You know, you've got to be careful not any yes. escalation. Like, you know, you, you meet someone, you like someone, and then people can, in their mind, they're married, they've got kids oh, or yeah, whatever. Totally. They've, they've gone through the whole relationship in the first two minutes. And again, that's not intuition. And people can sometimes mistake the, the imagination for intuition. Right. And of course, intuitives and psychically sensitive people are more prone to anxiety, actually, and having all of those, because they're open, they feel everything. So it's it's about learning, you're right, to manage that, to become the conductor of the orchestra of all of your skills and fears and everything else and, and bring it together. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, like m most of, if not all of my abilities on the non-technical side originated from uh, survival, you know, they, they were ways that I was able to, uh, you know, as the deepest expressions of my spirituality have to do with, you know, manifestation, which is sort of the mainstream way of saying I'm a witch, you know, and when you're a witch, it's like you are using your rituals and your practices and your energy sources to help get you out of danger or help protect yourself or help other people protect themselves. And that, you know, in my childhood of chaos was what I had to work with, you know, so a lot of my skills originated from these places that were really quite emotionally fraught. So as I've gotten older, and this has become my professional work, also separating, wait, am I getting triggered, right? Is this, is my desire to want to manifest or do something or to intuit, uh, to be an empath in this situation, coming from a grounded adult professional place? Or is it coming from that same well within me that was needing to survive and using these skills in order to do so? So I also think that that's something, it's kind of a little bit of a thorny topic because I, I know that it does, you know, a lot of people who are interested in this will relate to having experienced some sort of either chaotic environment growing up or then having some sort of an existential crisis. Hence why they're like, I should start looking into astrology. I should start looking into tarot. I should start looking into these other modalities because I'm going through a tough time. But the key to that, which anybody with a lot of Pisces in their chart will be able to tell you, hopefully, is boundaries. You know, it took me a long time to learn boundaries because I was just available to everybody in pain you know, potentially because nobody, you know, looks after me. I was very aware if someone's in pain, I, you know, I showed up and I showed up too much, had no boundaries, burnt myself out because I felt, you know, that that's what I had to do. And it, that was, I don't know, I'm, I'm 55 now. So I've been on this journey a long time and it's a never ending learning journey. But if I could give a, a wise woman these advice, I would say, boundaries, check your boundaries, work on your boundaries, find your healthy boundaries. And that will save you a whole lot of shit <laughs> in life. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it will enhance your life tremendously. I, I stumbled upon this incredible quote and I don't know what, who the attribution is for it, but the quote is, uh, boundaries are the distance between my ability to love you and love myself. And I thought that that was so poignant and powerful because I 130 bazillion percent agree is that the only way to keep yourself safe 
in this work, um, when you are working with people, when you're not working with people, even if you're not doing this work is through boundaries. And, and that's yeah. the kindest thing that you can practice, which then leads me to one of the, our questions submitted by a listener. So for listeners, um, we have a new format on stars like us. This is the first episode that we are going to be implementing it, which is that on our new Instagram page for this podcast, which is starslikeus.pod, um, I'm going to be posting, I'm going to be posting posts with the expertise of my upcoming guests. And listeners are invited to drop their questions in the comments and my guest and I will answer them together. So I have some questions that I am going to ask Michelle that are submitted by you guys as listeners. And one of them is, how do you protect your energy when doing a reading? So that is the question. It feels very, very tank, which means there are no coincidences. It feels very tank for our conversation. So Michelle, what does that mean to you? How do you protect your energy when doing a reading? Well, as, as an intuitive, walking around intuitively all the time. So I, my energy is, it comes out when I do the reading. I visualize a gold light around myself. I feel protected. That's the other key thing. So I wouldn't necessarily need to over-focus on that now because I, I can automatically do it. But if you're starting, you've got to find a trick in your head to give you that protection. So like a gold light around you, I would say this for me, it's also after the reading is just as important as during the reading. So if I've had a heavy day doing readings, I will have a saltwater bath. I will cleanse my aura. I will do things to seal myself down, to ground myself so that that's that energy done and other people's energy isn't seeping into your being. Because as we know, science tells us that we are all contagious. You know, whether you, whether you believe in psychic stuff or not, we catch moods, we catch things from other people. So that's a skill to learn in everyday life, not even just when you're doing readings. Yeah. Do, do you have a, some specific you do? I'm, I'm still working on it. I would say that a lot of it has to do with, I'm a Capricorn rising. So the, a, a big battle in my chart in my life is knowing my limits because as a Capricorn rising, with a Pisces moon and a Leo sun connected to my South node, but that might be a whole different story uh, in the eighth, of course. But as a Capricorn rising, I want to maximize, you know, every minute that I am alive. I, I think that this is beautiful. I think that this sort of like uh, will to live, this vitality is really meaningful, but it also means that I could look at, a ca at my calendar and be like, I have enough time for nine people today, you know, technically. And then I step into the day and nine sessions later, I, my Pisces moon feels like it has been wrung out so much that I'm, I, I, I'm totally like depleted. You know, I, I have nothing left to, I can't feed myself. I can barely like get into bed because I have so much anxiety and sort of like energetic exhaustion that I am just sort of like, uh, you know, vibrating like in a, in a negative way, a bad vibe. And my lesson has been to tell my Capricorn rising, you don't need to book you don't just because you have time in your calendar doesn't mean that you need to fill it with something because the time the recovery time is you may not know how much recovery time you're going to need for every session so better to back off do less and see how you can sort of soothe and take care of yourself on the other side of it than to try to overextend yourself and end up as this sort of like worm that just got split in two, which is very much sort of like the, the energy after doing all of these readings. But I had to learn, you know, I've learned that and I'm still practicing it because it's still a temptation. My vice is work and I love my work, but it also is but there are ways around that. Yeah, totally. I learned, for instance, well, luckily I don't do those kind of days. Yeah, anymore. I don't either. I, I don't do either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you do, you, you, you've got to find your limit. So I would never, 
I mean, even in the past, I learned, you know, five is enough. You know, five is enough for me because anything over that, you do lose a piece of yourself in the moment, you know. You, you can't merge with those that, that many energy and go right into someone's life nine times. It, it, you, you know, you're, so being in a spin dryer, a spiritual spin dryer, and so limiting it. And also what I do now, which is why I hardly do any readings, is I say to people, I'm spontaneous. So, you know, I've got a list. I've got a 300 on the waiting list or something, and the waiting list is closed. But if one day I feel like doing it, you know, I'll ring the list and see who's free. I love, I'm the opposite to you. <laughs> I love not planning. I, I've, I have a complete fear of really nailing things down. I, I just like to be spontaneous and that's freed me to really, you know, have a, have a very different life because I started doing readings professionally in my teens and I did it every day up until my 40, maybe 40 and lots of people every day. That's a lot of years of doing that. So now I'm like, well, oh, free. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My books have not been open for over a year now. Um, I have, you know, continued to work with the clients that I have on a rotation that I've worked with for many years now who have become sort of like, they're like client friends, muses, you know, they're yeah. people who are just are so important for, to, I'm so invested in their stories. It's sort of transcendent. And you're seeing, you're seeing the chart in action exactly. over those years. That's the exciting and thing. There, and I'm seeing their growth with the chart, you know? So, you know, the, the, it's the joy of having those consistent clients is that they're also doing the work, which I'm sure you can, I, I, every practitioner can experience is, you know, there's a very clear, you know, the, uh, someone comes to you stuck, unsure what to do. We give them options, you know, <laughs> like we try to give them lots of different tools, the, yeah. tools. <laughs> the suggestions, you know, and then sometimes depending on, and you're a fire sign as well. So sometimes we could be very sort of like, no, you have to do this. Like this is very essential, you know, like stop this, start this, shift this. And then you talk to that person sometime later and they haven't implemented any of it. And they're in the same situation. You're like, well, what, <laughs> Like we're going to get the same cards or we're going to tell the same story or like it doesn't matter where the transits are. You know, if these things are still happening, you're missing these opportunities. You're missing these auspicious gifts. You know, if you are still talking to this toxic ex that you know that you're not, that isn't filling your cup, that you know that the story has expired, but yet it's yeah. eight months later and this is still, this narrative is still continuing you know, action is needed on the client's end as well as on the practitioner's end. Mm. And uh, to me, you know, that was very annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least them getting an understanding of what the payoff is, yeah? yeah? Just say, well, you are, you are getting something out of this or you would not. Right. Keep, so what is the payoff? What is it giving you? Sometimes people in situations like that have a fear of intimacy. So it's much easier. I mean, we've all been there at certain points in our life. So sometimes much easier to, to to be in something like that because you're not really being exposed, right. are you? Because you know that person is not going to ever get that close to you. So you can play out all the feelings that you want, but you're not really being seen. Right, right. That, so it's interesting. Yeah. So let's take another question from our listener. Um, I really like this one. Comforting your child based on their moon sign. Or is there another way to comfort your child? What are your thoughts on that? First thought you meant comforting your own inner child. Yeah, it's, it's both like moon in Pisces, for instance, you know, they do, they need to be given the magic. So any kind of magical things, I mean, it depends on the age of the child, but you can always bring magic into a situation with a child and equally for your own child within, you know, I think being around water, creating little magical things for that child to be able to express and release into the water, their emotions and to understand the flow of their emotions through that Pisces. But anything magical will soothe and take away the worries of a child with moon in Pisces, for instance. I think it's interesting because our moon reflects how we needed to be nurtured and also where we weren't nurtured in tandem. Yeah. It's the duality of like what we, mm. how we were satiated and then the ways that we 
that that satiation was not able to be received. And it, and it can also be the mother. So we have to look to ourselves exactly. with our child. Exactly. Moon, yeah. You know. So your child's moon is going to show you how your child needs to be nurtured and then also potentially yeah. where your pitfalls are, right? Where you have to be gentle and careful to not over expose in those certain ways. I'm thinking a lot about our Virgo moon friends, you know, who need to be nurtured through systems and through structure, but could also Mm. reflect a very anxious mother. It could also reflect a mother who is a perfectionist. It could also reflect the projecting exactly their desire for that child to be perfect. Exactly. Or actually when I see uh, moon in Virgo, I often feel that there is this, the adult, can end up feeling that they have to be perfect to be loved, that they're, that they're not enough because right. of that. So yeah, but like, like my my mother, um, for instance, had no boundaries. She definitely and she, and she was a psychic, so she definitely represented Moon in Pisces for me. So I think that's actually one of the clearer ways. You know, if you're the nurturer, or you, I mean, the term mother, whatever you relate to when it comes to your child, whatever your label is, yeah, it's the nurturer you being nurturing to that child. And and once you're aware that that might be a reflection of your mothering style your, or nurturing style, it's, it helps you because you can, if you're going down the shadowy route of that, you can pull it back and you can also bring out the magic of wherever that, you know, as you say, you can bring structure if it's Virgo, you can bring magic if it's Pisces, but you watch your boundaries, don't put your emotional shit on your child you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm as a fellow Pisces moon, my mom uh, is an, an artist. She's a songwriter. You know, I grew up with amazing, like, you know, and she's a witch. So I grew up with magic and psychic stuff and creativity and art and song. And, you know, it was very Piscean, but my mom also, you know, struggled with addiction and there were, she had also no boundaries and her, her depression would consume the entire apartment, you know? So it was all of the sides of Pisces that I experienced in my childhood. But, but look where you get comfort. You get comfort through your spirituality, exactly. through magic. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. It's, ama- it's why we love astrology because it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> right. And then you reach these moments where you're just like, oh, it's just, there's too many things linked and it's too fabulous to even try it. You know, it's just, that's the magic of it is that it, it just it speaks volumes to these truths. But I think that if, you know, this listener has a child and is capable, is interested in nurturing their child based on astrology, being receptive and sensitive to the plus and minuses of their own moon sign, as well as what the plus and minuses of their child's moon sign could be, are going to help create that fusion um, and understanding sort of like, well, what can I support this child in? And then where also can I back off to make sure that this child isn't feeling, you know, that the negative or more problematic aspects of this moon sign are getting too much attention. What was your mother's moon sign? Pisces. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So you, yes, yeah, so swimming and drowning all at the same time. <laughs> exactly. The pair of you. Exactly. I still have a little bit of a, with anybody that's got my mother's moon sign, it scares me a little bit. Because my mother had moon in Capricorn, which I think I felt that she could never really feel me or, you know. But whenever anybody's got moon in Capricorn, in my practice and what I've seen, people born with moon in Capricorn were born with an added layer of protection. And because they had to be responsible for something very young, whatever it is, and they were born protected. Very interesting. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting the way I bet a lot, like us, a lot of people come to you with significant, you know, planets and things that your our people close to us has ha- have to help us learn and evolve. It's all a mutually evolving situation. Yes. And it's exactly why when someone, and, you know, obviously people who are, more comfortable with this material wouldn't say things like this, but at the in early stages of someone's interest, will be like, oh, I hate cancers, I hate mm. Aquarius, you know, like I can't stand yeah. the sign. And obviously, you know, only to discover that we have all of the signs within us. And guess what? They'll show up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somebody with five, six planets in Scorpio will sh- rock up yeah. <laughs> into their life as soon as they say that. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And that's to teach a lesson. You know, it's not 
just to write that person off at face value. It's to recognize that uh, these are things that exist within us. And the qualities mm. that we might find if we define them through the archetypes of astrology challenging in others are mm. often things that we need to really look at in ourselves. Yeah, it's a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, funnily enough, Colin's got moon in Capricorn. I've never met such a nurturing, wondrous, amazing, loving being. I bet you've, I bet you've got one. I don't know if you'll tell us, but I bet you've got one that makes you go a little bit. There's always something. <laughs> I... That's the only one with me, but I think it obviously it's deep ingrained in unhealed mother issues. It's not, and, and actually, you know, I completely opened my arms to Colin and instantly love him. <laughs> so, but, it, but, it, but it's definitely, I always do a double take if someone says they've got moon in Capricorn. Well, I would say that mine, my, I'm, I'm a little scared of Venus Virgo because I had a really toxic relationship where the dude was a Venus Virgo and I really saw that manifest in his life and his sort of Madonna whoring of people. Yes, I was about to say, the virgin and the whore in themselves and projecting that onto others. Yeah, he and he was, I mean, I would say also probably had like clinical personality disorders. I would guess narcissism, but like, you know, he was a really extreme case but that definitely, you know, f discovering that in his chart and seeing how it manifested in such an ugly way in his chart yeah, yeah, yeah. made me nervous, but not so much like when I am working with women or femme identifying people, it's like less so. It's more mostly with like cishet men. If I see Venus Virgo, I'm like, just be careful with this one yeah, placement yeah, yeah, yeah. because I have some. But they could show yeah. up. I, yeah, because I have some, like, around it. Yeah. But then, you know, like, and I think I can see this with Colin as well. It's like it can, it can be service to other people, Moon and Capricorn. It can be commitment. It can be, you know, commitment to emotions. And, and, and that commitment being they take, they take their emotions seriously. So it, obviously everything can show up in different ways. Yes. And I love Virgo, you know, because the word virgin used to mean free woman. And it came from um, the Vestal Virgins, who once they did their, you know, their time being a Vestal Virgin, they were one of the few women that could be free. And it and the actual translation is belonging to no man. So I have a lot of fondness for language and how seeing things differently like that can be very liberating. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Vesta is one of my favorite asteroids. I, I don't know if you work with the asteroids at all. Yeah, yeah. I love, I mean, Vesta is, is a profound spiritual genius and it is linked to the Vestal Virgins and who in the ancient Greco-Roman world, they were uh, liberated yeah. from the, the patriarchy. You know, they could have their own experience. They can have their own study. They could have their own philosophy and, and academia uh, independently from the patriarchal society, which is just like... But they had to keep that damn fire alive. <laughs> but they did have one very important <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> Do not let that fire yeah. go out, ladies. No. <laughs> so that actually is an interesting segue into another listener question, which is... As an astrologer, do you believe it's important to have certifications to validate that you're really an astrologer? No. I'm an intuitive astrologer, have zero qualifications. <laughs> in fact, well, but I think that, um, I don't know. I mean, you can answer this in many ways. In a way, yes. In a way, no. But I, you've, I believe we're all unique souls, okay? And that we are works of art in our own way. If you, yes, somebody could say, Someone could have a certificate and be a crap astrologer. Someone could have no certificate and be an amazing astrologer. I think a, a, a deeper question is that you have to be committed to your journey with astrology. And, and I don't believe it's about having a certificate. If you're committed and you feel it and you do the work. I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated because I don't have one. And I don't have one because I also am like, you know, uh, well, I'm a punk at, in my heart. I don't like institutions. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to abide by the codes of an institution, especially an astrology institution, where it's like, who the fuck are you guys? Like, well, who would no, tell me what exactly. to do in this practice? You know. Uh, but at the same time, I can only speak to my own. But I have a very strong ethical 
uh, compass. You know, I, I feel I'm very aware of understanding how dangerous astrology and tarot yes, can be yes. if it is not applied ethically and responsibly. But you know what? A certificate isn't going to give you that. Yes. And you know what? You could have a certificate and then you could be on a dodgy path and doing dodgy things. The certificate doesn't necessarily right, mean anything. Right. But you're right. It, words are power. And you know what? We are all naturally superstitious, you know, from the dawn of civilization. So even a cynic who says they don't believe in any of it, they're going to take on what you say. So words are spells when it comes to astrology and tarot and everything else. And, and you can empower or you can really do massive damage. So yes, it is important to really work on that and maybe even have a mentor that you can talk things through with rather than have a certificate. I mean, tarot is a great passion for me. I've just completed my deck. It's taken me two years and it's been the most wonderful experience. Terrifying to deliver something out into the world. You know, I expect you felt that with your amazing book, by the way, which I'm going to do a, re a review on. Because it's, I mean, I was blown away by it. So, and you know, uh, there's a lot of books being written and some of them I'm like, <laughs> 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 that same old, same old. But, but what I felt with your book is you, you really wove the magic into those words. And I bet, you know, you were very careful about the way you put it, but you, there was magic woven in. And it's there, plain to see. If people read that book, exactly, they, they, they can transform their life. It's, it's an amazing book. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. Okay, Michelle, I have two questions for you that I ask all of our guests before we leave. And then if you are receptive to it, I would love to pull a single tarot card for you. Fabulous. Okay, so question number one is, how does magic show up in your life? I have had an extraordinary, unbelievable life with magic left, right, and center. I mean, I am sitting in the castle that when I was a kid, I used to say, and I was homeless, you know, in a kid's home, left home at 13. I say, I'm going to live in a castle. And this castle came to me, you know, okay, obviously you had to do a lot of work <laughs> to get in this position. But I think if you believe in magic, it will show up for you. Trust me, just try it. I promise you. You believe in magic and open your arms, not to control the magic. Let the cosmos deliver. You, oh, wonderful. Trust me on that and let me know what happens. I love it. Okay. Talking to, talking to your viewers, not you, because of course, I'm sure your life is filled with magic. Yeah, because I believe in it. <laughs> yes, that's the key. Of course. And the other thing is knowing you deserve it is the other key. Totally, to that. absolutely. And knowing it's yes, possible. Yes, absolutely. Uh, question number two is what do you believe in? I believe that we are all shards of something bigger, but we, our job is to express our unique self. And by expressing our unique self, we evolve the whole. We're all, we're all deeply connected, but we are, our unique soul is, for me, I think it's our mission in life. Now, being a unique soul doesn't mean you have to do something far out, but it means embracing who you are. Guess how you can do that? Look at your astrology chart, which is your soul map to all things fabulous. And with that map, and you know that this is a magical map because I still look at my chart and see something I haven't seen. I've looked at my chart, you know, how many times in 45 years or however long we're doing it. It's a magical map. It really is. Do you still see new things in your chart? Oh, all the time. All the time. It blows my mind. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. It's Harry Potter. It is. Well, maybe that's the wrong, that's, maybe it's the wrong thing to say at the moment, but it is. You know, it's it's a it's a fairy tale of wonder. It is a something that will constantly surprise you. Yeah, it's you know, I I really believe that you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it. And yeah. the natal chart, the birth chart, is such a, such strong proof of that because it unfolds in such unique ways based on what you need to see. You know, I needed to first know that I was a Pisces moon for me to take the plunge into understanding the rest. You know, I knew I was a Leo sun. You know, you know, when you're a fire sign, especially, you know that from an early age, but then when you have other stuff going on, you're like, that's not, that's not covering it. You know, that's not all of it. So for me, the first thing I needed to know was about my moon. And from there, 
It was like everything that I, you know, as I needed more information, it would reveal itself. That continues to prove itself to be true. And whether that is through the planets, whether that's through transits, whether that's through uh, compatibility, people coming into my life at different times, illuminating different things. It's like the chart is going to show you exactly what you need to see in that moment, in that opportune moment, which is why when people are first starting to understand the language, it could be like, oh, it's so overwhelming. And that's why I encourage people, don't worry about trying to understand all of it because you don't need to know it (laughs) right now. What you need to know is going to rise and come to the surface. And that is what is going to usher you in to the rest of the experience. Yeah, super exciting. But I'm sure... And the majority of your listeners have looked at their chart, but you know, go and have another look now. I bet go and have another different. look. Yeah, that's the invitation is is open up that chart. Because people sometimes don't, do they? They just look at it and they think they know it. No, there are so many mysteries to be revealed. It, it's true. And there's all of the degrees and then there's minutes and it's just it, it's just this constantly unfolding, beautiful. I mean, it, to me, it's it's really an it's it's organic. It's nature. You know, it moves with seasons. It's, it's absolutely extraordinary. Okay, Michelle. So the way that my deck works best, as I'm sure you will understand is it does best with questions. When we don't have a question, it gives, it could get kind of bitchy and give us a nebulous answer uh, that we're like, why, why the fuck would this come up? So my question for you is, is there a question that we can, that I can help by pulling a single card with today? Yes. Uh, Something extraordinary is coming up in my life, which is going to, I know it's going to test me to my limits because it's something very different. What's the best way that I can handle that experience to make it magical for me? Perfect. I mean, obviously, that's a great question. (laughs) Because you know how to ask a good question. Yeah. We, we could have a whole episode on how do you ask good questions? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Would you like me to work with pile one, two, or three? One. Great. Said the Aries. Yeah. First is the best. <laughs> Number one. Want to win. Yeah. <laughs> first one, please. Okay. So how can you work with this experience to make it the most magical? What, what energy do I need to bring to it. Okay. I'm going to be pulling on behalf of what is the energy that we (laughs) need to know. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay, good. What is the energy we need to know to make this the most abundant and auspicious and delightful experience for all involved, for all involved involved parties, all encompassing. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Michelle, I'm going to need you to, to tarot this with me because we got this bad boy. Oh, great. That's funny enough, exactly how I feel. And I also know the answer to that because if you look at that card from, you know, you, you see these people that are, you know, walking right past the sanctuary. The sanctuary is there. It's going to be okay. Don't lose yourself in the snow, Michelle Knight. No, yeah. sanctuary is there. Yeah, there it is. What would you say? So, you know, this is one of those cards that I think we get default there's fear of the death card there's fear of the terror the tower card but this is a one of the five of pentacles is an interesting card because it is definitely one of you know in this deck in this classic deck uh it iconographically it is you know intense you know what we have these two people in tatters in in the middle of a snowstorm you know just in destitute but we often don't think about this beautiful stained glass motif, which is also like where the message of the card is. You always have to look at the card. Where is the message, right? And these are the five of pentacles here is in, is yeah. in the opportunity that is being exactly like overlooked, right? So I, when I see this card, I often think of needing to shift a perspective I think of it being the five as being the halfway point in the story and needing to make Mm. a choice. And obviously like scarcity comes to mind a lot with this card. Like, is there trauma coming up of scarcity thinking of feeling like, how am I going to do this? I'm overwhelmed. I've been here before. It was a disaster. I failed. Like, I don't want this to happen again. And then in that overlooking the shelter, 
overlooking the safety and the security and the warmth and that glow of what is going on in the interior. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you interpret it? I can relating that. I can I can relate to that in my own situation. But if, normally for a client, I say the same thing. It's like God, you got so used to this feeling, you know. And and I say it's the it can be financial poverty, but also be emotional poverty. You're feeling out in the cold, but actually, just look up. There is sanctuary. There is hope. There is support there. So see the support. Focus on the support and the warmth because. There's a warm feeling coming Definitely. from there. And don't sort of focus on, oh, you know, uh, trudging through this experience, feeling, you know, oh, it's going to be bad. So, yeah, this is a card of hope. This is a card that there is the sanctuary. So, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a good card. It is. And it's definitely a card that also means, you know, there's more to the story that needs to be revealed, you know? Yeah, that yeah, there's, yeah. There's still a lot more details and there's a lot more negotiation to take place before the outcome is clarified. And how badly do I want another card now, Elisa? Keep them going. <laughs> I know. That's the hit. <laughs> Thanks for that one card. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That, that's a that's a tip. That's a trick. If we got a major card, we would have been like, okay, bye. But those minor cards are always like, yes. come on. <laughs> Thanks. The five of pentacles. I'm rushing to my deck as we speak. <laughs> Well, Michelle, where can we find you and connect with you and continue to to discover your work and all of the magical, amazing things that you do? Okay. Instagram at Michelle Knight, Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, michelleknight.com and horoscope.co.uk. Love it. But I, do, I, I, I give so much free stuff as well. There's free synastries, there's free charts, there's free tarot readings. I love to give. So there's plenty for people to feast upon should they want to. Delicious. Everyone, <laughs> grab your cutlery and dive in. Thank you so much, Michelle. Yes. This was such a pleasure. You're incredible. And it's been a, a complete honor for me. 